and welcome to The Turning Point, a weekly show that's being created to help you overcome the challenges of having the career you always dreamed of. Together, we're going to be learning how to overcome those obstacles that may stand in your way. My guests will give you an insight into their own turning point and what issues they came across when starting their journey to a happier working life. Today's guest is Mark Asquith, a serial entrepreneur who's built globally successful design and marketing, SaaS and digital businesses, all since he quit his job back in 05. A passionate podcaster and perpetual learner, uh, an all-round helpful bloke. That is true, ladies and gentlemen. He certainly helped me a lot. Mark has a giant dog and an embarrassing beard, which, for those that know him, it really is, especially when he's trying to keep up with a big dog like myself. So, Mark, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's not very nice, is it? Saying that about true. beard. I can't help it, though. It's oh, genetics. True. It's genetics. Yeah, you can't <laughs> put, a, put, a man, put a man down for genetics. Good Lord. I'm just telling the truth. Well, I suppose that's a good thing, really. This has been a turning point of this interview. I'm going to turn out, turn around, up and do and leave. <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. Yes, dude. Appreciate it. Thank you all. So, for those that don't know, me and Mark are actually really good friends. So, uh, this has actually has been pretty nice to each other, even though I do joke at the start. Yeah, we are quite nice people. Only today he was laughing at my expense. Better standard. Not Trying true. to book a table. It's not on. Anyway. Let's uh, let's start at the beginning, man. You quit your job in 05 and we're rocking it since then. Yep, 2005. That's a long time ago. And do you know Wilmot, actually, at Mark Wilmot on um, Twitter and Instagram, put a picture of the last ever place that I worked on Instagram today, which is a bit random. What, in Leeds? Mm, City Square in Leeds. That's where I worked for a pension. The one opposite the hotel? Yeah, yeah, opposite Queen's oh, Hotel. Really? I didn't realise you were. Even I didn't know that's where. I knew you worked in Leeds, but not at that building. Yeah, yeah, I used to come out of the train station. I'll park up on Ball Lane and walk up there. Um, it's, that's not strictly true, actually. I left and I got a job and lasted two days at the next job. But I, So I don't really class that as a place. That was down on Ecky Road in Sheffield. You know, that Capitol building next to uh, next to Sports Bar. Yeah, so switched those buildings around. And then, yeah, left that in 05, which is 11 years ago now, which is kind of freaky, really, actually. Yeah, time's going quick. My like, 05 doesn't sound like it's that long ago, but it's 11 years ago. I know, that's a weird thing, actually, because you think nothing's changed that much, but actually everything's changed. It's a, it's a weird one, that, because it does still feel really recent. Um, yeah, but anything you... post-millenniums still seems like, oh, it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, you're right, like, oh, yeah, 2003, brilliant. Yeah, but if you think back to what were happening, and even, like, this is a funny one, actually, when you look at pictures from 2003, you do that thing that you think is reserved for like the 90s and the 80s where you look at yourself and go, what am I wearing? And even that's like in 2003, you think that, but it still feels really recent, which is a bit, it's just a bit yeah. weird. And the same women will listen to Rob Williams at studio the other day. It was 98. I know, life through crazy. a lens. That's crazy, that, isn't it? Yeah, awesome. Well, <laughs> but on that point. Awesome. That's why we're going grey, dude. Well. I'm going grey. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I left in 2005, which is, like I say, it's ages ago. And then um, been doing other things ever since. And enjoying every minute of it or most minutes of it. Yeah. It's frustrating, actually. Like that, that, I don't even think that was the turning point either, that quitting. You know, when I think about it a little bit more, I think it was um, probably happened before that. Um, and that was like just the, the the manifestation of it more than anything. But yeah, you know, it's been a it's been a tough ride up up to now since then but it's a good one like you wouldn't have any any other way i think if you if you do what you do and you enjoy what you're doing but no i think it i think it probably goes back to 
you know, childhood really, that the, the turning point is probably the, the weird hot dog story that Brad drew out of me at the session that we went to, the thing that now gets thrown about on all social media, which I didn't even realise actually. So it's a, yeah, that that's a, an odd one. You know, we should probably dig into that at one point. I'm sure people are now wondering about this hot dog story. Well, I've been totally screwed on that if you think about it. If people say, "Oh, his life got changed by a hot dog," that just sounds weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if you think like and turns heads though, people like hot dog. What? Yeah, what's going on here? Well, that's the thing. When when I do these speaking gigs, it's like, oh, I better tell that story first because otherwise people are going to think you're just some weirdo. And you, especially when they see a picture of you in a Jurassic Park t-shirt on the hot dog in your mouth without actually taking a bite. We all know which part of that is the weird bit. And it's not Jurassic Park. It's yeah. the not taking a bite out of a hot dog. <laughs> because frankly, if you've got a hot dog, you're eating that. Um, so yeah, yeah, that, that was probably the turning point back when I was a kid. Um, and then it took me a while to work up the confidence that it was all right to, to not do what other people thought you should do. So yeah, the whole hot dog thing is a weird one. So I was... I think it was maybe like nine or ten, um, and I went to a school in Darfield in Barnsley called Upperwood, and it was it's it's like the kind of place that generations of people go to. Like my nephews just started there, so it's one of those real staple places. And I sort of walked in there. It was a school disco, you know, familiar smells and familiar surroundings, and you know, but but yet somehow like a little bit nervous because it's a school disco. Like I wasn't necessarily a confident kid. Now, do what I remember from the school discos is Canada Dry. What, ginger? Can I dry yeah. ginger ale? Yeah. I love ginger ale. That's one of the big things I remember when I were at primary school. Really? That's weird, that. Why would they have that? That's, that seems like a really strong drink for a kid. Well, the working men's club was next to the school, so That's on a Wednesday, obviously they did it there. And then I, I just remember thinking, Canada Dry. Somebody, I must have said something to me like, oh, big kid now, Canada Dry. <laughs> this is this is big boy stuff now. I can have some kind of kind of dry non-alcoholic soft drink. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't want any panda pop now. I want kind of dry. <laughs> I want to go into big stuff. <laughs> Fifty pence of pop. Um, yeah. So there were no Canada dry at, uh, at Upperwood, but we <laughs> we always used to put on. They used to put on these little buffies. You know what it's like. Um, just panda pop and popcorn and sweets and funnily enough hot dogs and. Like I come from a pretty poor family. I was I didn't really have much cash when I was a kid. I was a bit like um, like the stories that Kai tells in the studio, Kai Wilkinson. You know, it's it's, all, it's sort of a if you want to go to this place, you've got to sell this thing. It's like it was one of those kind of upbringings which sort of put a, a bit of a marker on money for me, which was quite quite an interesting thing. So I turned up to this school disco without a penny and queued up for this hot dog. Um, you know, you've got all your friends around, you've got people that aren't necessarily your friends, but that you want to be friends with, you know, that kind of scenario where it's like the popular kids and I queue up for this hot dog and thinking it's free and it's not, it's like 50p. <laughs> so she says to me 50p and I literally did not have a penny on me and uh, I had to give the hot dog back. So it was, it was this really like ashamed kind of feeling like really super embarrassing. The thing that kind of defined um, what it, what money felt like at that time. So that that was a real big sticking point in my mind, and that's when I, I remember really vividly this idea that like I never actually want to feel like that again. I never want to feel that bad or that um, depowered. You know that kind of idea that you've got to just like you're a slave to the kind of money. How many people do you think could remember that instance and carry it forward? Do you think everybody would, or do you think there was almost a bit of a almost a bit of a head of what thinking in the age that you were at that time. Cause that 
Do you know what I'm, do you know what I'm trying to get yeah. at? Would everybody remember that or would they just think, oh, I couldn't get an hot dog? I think it's actually more the idea and the kind of notion that it, it evoked a feeling. So to kind of really badly paraphrase Mayor Angelou, you know, people rarely and seldom remember what you say or what you do. They actually just remember how you make them feel. So for me, it was how I felt. I felt completely depowered. I felt like I had no control. My surroundings were dictated to me. My actions were dictated. You know, someone else effectively was controlling what I could do. And that that's not necessarily a possession thing, like saying what I can and can't have. It's more specifically the idea that we, we live in this kind of society where outside forces can control your life. So the ability to do something is dictated by the, the possession of money. You know, that whole kind of notion that to have is to open up opportunity. Um, and and it's it's a very weird scenario because I don't, when you look at this kind of whole entrepreneurial journey, you look at the people telling the stories on a million podcasts and writing the books about, oh, I quit corporate America and I quit corporate England and I quit this and I quit that and I, I jumped ship. People, that's not why they're doing it. That's just the story that people tell. And it's like this dream that people have of sticking it to the man and sticking two fingers up at the corporation saying, I'm not going to do this cubicle life anymore. But actually, when you dig a little bit deeper, and it certainly was for me, it was more the idea that that was the turning point. That was the catalyst. It was a feeling. And that wasn't the only time that that happened. You know, growing up, there were always times that that was the case. And I remember... Someone said to me when I left my job, it was probably my mum because she's always been really supportive. But when I left my job, she was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you leaving your job? Like, this is not a thing that people from Barnsley do. And it was all based around this kind of idea that the only reason that I left my job is because I the, the, the first day that I turned up at this new job. So I traded in one job in Leeds for another job in Sheffield for an extra two grand a year. It's ridiculous. You know, it's hardly anything. And I turned up at this job expecting it to be something fresh and different because it's a change of scenery, different people. And I turned up and it was the same drudgery, same same crap, same red tape, same lack of personality, same constraints. And I thought to myself, well, wait a second. You know, I'm only, I was young at the time. I was like 21, 22, 23. And I thought to myself, There's, there'll be a point where I want to have kids or there'll be a point where I want to do something. And someone in this building, this grey building will say to me, you cannot drop your kid off or you can't go see your nephew playing football or doing an activity because you ha like these rules that I am imposing dictate that you must be in this place at this time doing things that you don't really give a crap about. Yeah. And the more I think about that, like I've never really addressed that. It's something that I'm, I'm, I'm going to start writing a bit more on, but I've never really addressed that. And I think the the turning point was... The hot dog moment was the catalyst for the first time of feeling like out of control, like someone else was dictating what I was able to do. And then when you when you look at that whole corporate lifestyle and the way that people move forward in life and, and are expected to do that, like you either... I mean, the quite fortunate... Go on, sorry. Sorry. No, no. I would just say the quite fortunate thing is that we've got... There are still these big corporations out there, but... Still, there are other big corporations that are starting to give people the additional freedom sort of uh, and everything's sort of a bit more open more collaborative and things like that so th there's always going to be this straight laced like you were referring to them where you worked but there are things starting to evolve now where people are starting to think well do you know what if we just loosen the reins a little bit we're going to get something better out of all of our staff 
across the board. Well, yeah, definitely. The problem is it's, it's still coming. It's coming across slowly, but the 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 positives out of it are massive. And people are scared to death. You know, I, you know me. I love The Office. David Brent is like my hero, but he's a complete asshole. Am I allowed to say asshole? Yeah, we can put the uh, explicit. On it. Yeah, explicit on it. I, bet, I tell you what, I bet you got Mark Brad as explicit, haven't you? Yeah. Yep. Within about three <laughs> seconds, I remember when I interviewed him for the first time. It was instantly. I was like, yeah. First thing on the show notes is capital letters explicit. Yeah, but do you know what's funny enough? That's what's on mine. The first is thing it? I put on top of them is always explicit that's when good. they're at the top, so I don't forget. Wouldn't have it any other way. It's amazing. That and that's part of actually it goes back to this conversation. Is that people are scared to death. Some managers are scared to death. And and and, and anyone that has been brought up within the constraints of um either kind of corporate or working for people or even just living within their own barriers that they put up in the mind. And what I mean by that is this idea that, well, things have always been done like that. Um, people are scared to death of losing that control. I saw a really good video today around um, discomfort. You know, people are afraid of what is uncomfortable. So the idea that, you know, Ed can turn up at 10 past nine, lock himself in the toilet at work for 20 minutes, sit there reading the news, come down, make 15 minutes worth of brew, probably get started at about quarter to 10 and repeat that cycle five times during the day. Like for most managers, that feels really awkward. But actually, you know, the fact that people deliver when they're given the freedom that you alluded to or when they're given the responsibility, the empowerment, the accountability, the kind of involvement. Like people, and Dorothy Betts said this to us when we had our session with her a few years ago, like no one turns up to work or no one turns up to anything in life to not perform, to not, deliver the best and be recognized for delivering the best. But we we end up in this culture where like that's accepted. It's just, well, if you fit into the rules, that's kind of what we measure. And if you don't hit the other targets that I impose on you as a manager, we're not really going to dig into why, because that might expose the fact that the process that we've got here is not conducive to yeah. getting the best I out like of floor you. in there plan exactly yeah so and people are scared to death of that people are scared to death of that so you either decide to grow or you decide not to grow um the 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 video that i saw today was was some chap talking about lobsters believe it or not and he was saying that if you're you know lobsters basically they're inside the shell and they grow and they expand until the point where the shell is just too small for them so what they do is they get uncomfortable they disappear under some rock shed the shell build a new shell and off they go. They go and live the life. And then a few years later, they become more uncomfortable because they're growing, they're growing and growing. They become more uncomfortable. And they realize that they've got to go back under the rock. They've got to shed the shell and redo it again. And they're continually growing. And the, the catalyst for the growth is the discomfort. It's not anything other than that. But if you think about discomfort <clears throat> the way that most people feel about it, you know, the turning point for me being the hot dog moment, this idea that I was uncomfortable with people dictating what I could do or even having the opportunity to dictate what I could do. That evoked the emotion, but it made me uncomfortable. The safe yeah. choice was to just stay where I was 10 years later, 12 years later, and decide to stick out the corporate life and hate it and really just really despise it. Even I mean, though, like, 
the way to get around it is to is to grow. It's not, but most people sit back on that and they just accept it for what it is. They just sit back and say, "Well, this is just how life is. This is what you're supposed to do." You know, it's it's a weird, very weird kind of symptom of being a human being. I think. Yeah, I had a conversation with somebody um, last week, and we were talking about risk, and how people often take risk as being a bad thing yeah. rather than assessing it on the positives. So rather assessing risk as in why not to do, we'll not do this, we'll not do this. Well, why? Because of this risk and this risk and this risk rather than flipping it on the other way, the risk of doing it and then it coming out positive is, is massive in comparison to the other way. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, it was, um, how are we, how are we putting it into some context earlier? It was being, it was about stopping people moving forward. So, oh, well, I can't, I, I use starting your own business as an example. Well, I can't can't do that because well, I'm, I, I risk losing my house. This person lost his house, but he'd done it anyway, and now he lives a much better lifestyle than he ever thought he could. Yeah. So it's using the risk as a catalyst um, to push forward and develop and grow. Yeah, absolutely. You, you like that's a choice that you make. You know, and it's how I always draw back to how I feel. You know, I'm, I literally always draw back to to how I felt on that day because, like, you have really shit days. You have bad days. Like, you know, you've seen me at my worst. You've seen me at my best, which is like one degree away from my worst. Like, it's not. There's no. There's no real difference in that. It's just. It's kind of what you choose to do with it. Um, and risk is a is a funny thing because you risk stuff all the time. You turn out of a T junction. You risk getting run into, or you risk someone shunting you from behind or you go swimming you risk drowning yeah you go it's on... just all an assessment it really is and it's it's yeah it is it's the attitude to risk and the thing is what you've ultimately got to I, th- I believe people have got to decide is like what what do they want to do with a life you know do they want to do they want to live their life or do they just want to be around and just go through the motions and you know, that's why be and exist. Yeah. And that's, it's a funny one. You just got, and you've got to, for me, you've got to accept what you want. Um, like what, not what other people want. Like, that's why I do quite a lot of traveling. Like I try and take as much opportunity as I can because shit, it's a big world and you've got to see as much of it as possible. Cause how can you possibly understand it unless you've seen it? And yeah. you, you know, for anyone that, anyone that doesn't like traveling, that's like a really scary thought and it's fine. You know, people don't like the same sort of things and that's what makes it all so fun. Um, but yeah, so back to that turning point, back to the idea of, of, of feeling out of control. I think we all feel a little bit out of control sometimes. You know, I think we've both been through that process of feeling a little bit underwhelmed and overwhelmed by underwhelmed by what we're doing, but overwhelmed by circumstance. And for a long time, it, I, I, I didn't. I kind of didn't see how things were related. Um, you know, the idea that, for example, we, if you think about us at Hacksaw, you know, we went through a, a, a period of fulfilling a contract that was, you know, it was great for money, but the work was pretty boring stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, we started branching out and I, I started Excellence Expected doing a little side project and it, you know, there was a pain. There was a bit of pain with that. You know, it was, well, you know, what's going on? Why why are we spending some time doing this instead of doing the stuff that earns some money? But the thing is, it's it's this is where people kind of get a little bit stuck on this sort of stuff because you have to do what stimulates you because it will it will feed into everything else that you do. Like if you go to the gym and you train, you are gonna be a better person to be around because it will stimulate other areas of your life. If you yeah. if you turn up at work to a corporate job and you hate that job, but you come home at night 
And the thing that you love doing is, I don't know, playing Xbox and you play Xbox for an hour, I guarantee you that your next day at work will be better because you've done that. Because at least you've got something that is stimulating there, that is that is giving you what you need. And my kind of logic and theory is that you've got to... It's a pipe dream to think that you can do that 100% of the time. Because even the people that say they do everything they want all the time, that's bollocks. Like We've all got to do shit that we don't want to do. But surely you can tip the scales in your favor. You know, think what what makes you uncomfortable? What what don't you like doing? What parts of your life can't you control? And what bits of your life aren't you happy with? And only at that point can you start to tip the scales in your favor. You think about it, there's not a great deal in your life that you can't control. No, you, you, can, you can control everything to a certain degree apart from accidents. You know, you can't, can't control an accident and I'm talking a completely pure accident and yeah all right you know you can't control elements of your health but bloody hell you can do certain things with your health to give yourself the best fighting chance um so you're right and a lot of people just don't want to step up and have the balls to do anything about it like everyone's a gunner there are so many gunners i'm going to do this tomorrow what's stopping you today why 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 are you not doing this today and yeah, that sounds like it's out of a book, and it is. And I'm, you know, I'm not that guy that does everything straight away. I'm not. You know, it would be, that'd be a lie to say. I have days where I think, oh, jeez, all I want to do is stay in, stay in my Batman onesie and play Xbox, or just watch The Office. And I don't want to, you know, I, I'm tired. You know, my body's tired. I'm mentally drained. And it's when we talk about doing that on Saturday, yeah, well up for that. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the idea is that you you know if you can. If you could get yourself to like 75, 80%, I guarantee you that you're probably 100% in front of 90% of other people. Like you are, you are by virtue of just forcing yourself to do the things that are a little bit uncomfortable, you start to control a lot more. You know, when people say things are lucky, like, oh, look, these guys are lucky. Bollocks, no one's lucky. Well, you're lucky, but no one's lucky, really. You know, when the people that have done well, Richard Branson is not lucky. Steve Jobs did not get lucky. He just worked his ass off and, and had the balls to push forward when everyone else was trying to pull him back. That's that's it. You know, it's that simple. Yeah. We've got up to where you've quit your co- corporate stuff, but we kind of just glanced over to a bit later just talking about the excellent stuff. So where, where, where would we go after that? Because I'm... Well, obviously I know where you went and it's led us to being here today over the last whoa, whoa, sort of six, seven years, hasn't it? So mm. you made a bit of... Obviously, after the phone call with your mum saying you are an absolute lunatic, you've just quit your job because you've just got it, and that's not what we do because we are unfortunately kind of laced with this sort of stigma of where we live, which is unfortunate, but people are trying to beat that. So next year, I was just thinking, do you know what? You've got this idea and thought that I don't want to be told that I can't go and see my kids, whether it's a a show or pick them up or when they really can't have the day off. Where did you set your stall out to take you to achieve that goal? Well, so it's a funny thing actually. Um, and I realize you've ranted on for the last 10 minutes. Sorry, listeners, but, um, the, the idea of, of, of money. So think back to the hot dog moment. The, the, I guess the, the, the affecting factor of that moment was money. Like I didn't have 50 P and, there, was, there have been times throughout my life when I didn't 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 um, have the right amount of money. Like I remember, I couldn't go on a couple of school trips for the same reason. We just didn't have enough money, um, and you know. So I thought money was the thing. 
And yeah, we're all money motivated. Let's not pretend like everyone says, oh, it's all about value. It is about value, but value is the route to money. That's it. You know, let's not pretend that no one wants to earn money. So the thing that I thought was, well, wait a minute, money's the problem. Money's always been this big affecting factor in my life. So that must be the problem. So then what I did was I left this corporate job earning 20 grand a year. Uh, not even that, actually, 18 and a half grand a year. And I went into contracting. So imagine I'm age 23. I go from earning 1,100 quid a month to earning 1,100 quid in three days. I was, you know, I went, I had a massive pay rise by going freelance contracting. You know, I was 23, 24, earning 100, 120 grand a year. I didn't know what to do with People it. People have just thought, contracting, I need to do that now. Google's new tabs just opened. Yeah, command T, contracting. <laughs> <laughs> but, so here's the funny thing. I earned more money than I've ever earned in my life during that period, quickly. You know, I earned it quickly. There was one month, I remember, me and a kid called Al, we were working a contract, and they asked for all the contract billing up front. And we billed 50 grand and got paid for it straight into, this is at 23, I got paid 50 grand up front, and then about two weeks later, they said to me, oh, you can work from home, and we only need you for about an hour and a half a day. I, I was like, are you joking, aren't you? And I've been paid all this money up front and I'm literally going to do what I want with the rest of my time. Like, what? This is life. This is it. I've nailed it. Um, and it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> it, honest to God, man. I it, mean, I knew that were coming, but it's just funny. It really was. It was shit. And the reason it was shit was that like, money's all right, but it's just an enabler. Like, you always live to your means. And I'm I'm no better off now or no worse off now than I was then when it comes to what I do with my day to day. That's it. You know, I, 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 you live to your means, you enjoy what you enjoy. Like just because you got money doesn't mean you're going to enjoy different things. It just means well, that's the thing you, you could, you could have a, a 10 bedroomed house, but you day to day. So if you're still doing the same, you've just got a bigger house when you go home. Exactly. And, 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 and take that a step further. Like you've got a 10 bedroom house, You've got a Maserati, and yeah, you're going to enjoy driving that Maserati, and you know it's going to be a lot of fun to drive. But I'll tell you what, as soon as I park it up, there's still a three-quid Nightwing comic coming out of the bag that is going to get read in one room in that 10-bedroom house, and I'm going to enjoy that Nightwing comic just as much as if I had much less money and had a one-bedroom flat. You know, it's that's what I enjoy. So I got three years into this contracting game and thought, wait a second, all I've done here is I've traded money for... Um, for the most part, contracting was doing boring stuff. So it was like working for people that I still didn't have anything in common with that made me want to just like punch myself in the throat with a false arm and, you know, just, just really just did not enjoy it. So I realized that all I'd done was just sold my soul for a higher price, which was just absolute shit. Um, so I saved up like 10, 15 grand, 20 grand actually, um, and set up my own business, Design Loft, which was a design, you know, web agency like we all start out. I think, oh, I get Dreamweaver, Bobby Dazzler. I can I can do what I want now. Dreamweaver. Yeah, brilliant. Macromedia as well at the time, not even Adobe. Um, so I set this business up um, <laughs> and I spent 20 grand in six months or nine months, end up with 60 quid in the bank, had to let the employee go, Got, like totally fucked it up, really, really screwed it up. Um, and the reason that I did that was because so I'd just come out of this corporate environment and I was behaving like a corporate muppet. I was behaving like I behaved then, albeit with my own office. Um, so like, again, it was no better. I'd set my own business up, but like, well, it was no different. I was still behaving still, like... The behavior's still the same, isn't it? Yeah, I was still behaving like that tool that turned up in a in a tie. And, you know, I'm not saying everyone that wears ties are tools, but believe me, I looked a tool in my dragon tie from Topman. So I'm, you know... Wow. Yeah, seriously, two quid. Um 
I t- actually took a, a sales sticker off another item and put it on the tie and got it for two quid. So yeah, I've done that. Yeah, big style. That's how you. That's how. Screw you, Brexit. So <laughs> we um, we set this business up. Me and a kid called Andy. He was the employee. Um, and we we just didn't do it right, you know. We we, we didn't get that much work, and we maybe we maybe turned over fifteen grand in in nine months. It, like it was terrible. It just wasn't very good. And the reason was I was I was I was behaving like I'd been taught to behave. Um, and then I set, you know, I was about to quit and go back contracting because I didn't know what else to do. And then obviously our friend Don and and our other friend Mark at Mark Wilmot, as uh, when people used to call people by the Twitter names. By the way, no, I honestly don't. Um, no. so yeah, Matt Wilmot, Don Jen, um, we, we, we pooled our resources and formed this little mini boutique agency, um, which ended up with this contract for the local council and did all right off it, did well. Um, and then obviously you and Kai came along pixel one at the time, you know, a lot of talent. So we merged in for the, for the greater good for everyone became a five piece, you know, and that, that became Hacksaw. Hacksaw is what it is. Um, and what I suppose the thing that, that that always stands out to me is that there are always cycles of shit. Like there are cycles of shit. So we talk about turning point and you know, I love this concept of the turning point. And like there are never any turning points. If you think about right, you go to Leeds, if you look at going to Leeds from Barnsley on a map, it's a straight line, you go straight up. But you don't. You come out, you drive, you turn right, you turn left, you go to the end, you turn right again, you get on the motorway, you you dotting all over the place you are i'm not left hand lane 70 mile an hour and you straight off you turn left you turn right around the right like there are all these different turning points or all these different directions and choices that you can make and shit comes around in cycles and what tends to happen is people don't recognize these cycles until it's too late so they get to the point where they think why am i just not enjoying this business anymore you know, and it's a point that we got to when we were just churning websites out at three, four, five, six grand a pop. Um, and it's all right for a while because you enjoy it. You, you enjoy working with the people and then you start to realize that actually you're doing the same thing every single day. And that's not what you intended to do. And then the cycle of shit starts because then everyone becomes a challenge and suddenly the stuff that you enjoyed, you don't enjoy anymore. But then you understand that actually this is what you should be doing because that's what people expect you to do because after all, that's what you say you do. So you end up not doing anything about it. So the cycle of shit gets worse and you've not recognized that you've hit another turning point, which is the emotion of not enjoying it and you need to do something else to simulate. So, you know, that I think that's a bit of a, an evolution in life and a bit of an evolution in business is that this idea that like cycles of shit come around all the time. It's up to us to recognize it and, and do something about it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, another conversation I had was that, and this was... It actually started around business plans and that I'm going to start a business, write, write a business plan. Yeah, I'm going to commit suicide as soon as I'm halfway through it. But this guy said that it, if he'd have written a business plan, he felt it would have been a ginormous hindrance and not only a waste of time because and what he what he started out to do three days after wasn't that at all. Yeah. Exactly, um, and I know that's that's kind of a bit more serious. But the, the point I'm getting at is, is you, it's it's all about adapting um, and seeing things and, and changing to it, and and being rather than being rigid, being quite um, free flowing, uh, and like you say, spotting things. Uh, in some cases, it's a reaction, but then there's adapt, and you just oh, it's quite simply, you just want to avoid it. 
but there is this it's a continuous uh like you said, going back to the car journey thing you it's the constant constant turns and uh, change of trajectory and things like that to make things better and to continually try and be happy yeah and you've got to do what works as well like if you put you put a sat nav on and go to london i want to go to shoreditch all right brilliant nice one this is it easy this is my business plan so come out get on the m1 chuck a left keep on going 150 mile get to islington carry on going oh we're in shoreditch brilliant that's your business plan that's brilliant when it works or when there are absolutely no affecting factors but the minute they shut junction 28 the m1 you fucked like your business plan is gone you can't do anything else but deviate from that plan and that- otherwise what happens is you find people driving off the edge of cliffs yeah or driving on a, down a wrong way down a one-way street because of for the sat nav exactly and they can't get back out of it you know the minute you see traffic what could, what, what what you've got to do you got to decide do i get off or do i carry on and if you carry on and and you know in your gut, we've all been to Meadowall, you know in your gut that you're going to get stuck in that traffic and you cannot back out of that easily. You can't back out of that easily. And once you commit, you're in there, aren't you? Yeah. That's you, the thing. You need to, businesses these days, and I mean, think about it. You know, we've never had the technology, the barrier to running a business, the barrier to living how you want to live has never been lower because we've got technology on our side. We've got an certainly a generational acceptance amongst millennials and people that accept. I can't believe you just said that. Millennials. I know you hate it. Um, Kai hates it. But this idea that, you know, people of a certain age within a certain bracket don't have to live how they used to have to live. They're, they're not, they're not bound by the same set of um, values, you know, that they, they seek fulfillment versus possession. And, I mean, a big a big highlight of that, and it might make you laugh, but is people like Lad Bible. <laughs> All they do is just show you funny videos and write funny articles about stuff that you all you always think about. Shower thoughts, but you never do anything Twitter. about. It. Yeah, that's the exact same thing, and they're making money from it. It's the same with that cooking panda on Facebook. It's quick, easy food to make in in a video in thirty seconds. Yeah, they're making a killing. Somebody just bought them. Bought the brand. Exactly. It's ridiculous. If some, you know, if you're, if you're, it says 30 second videos how to make uh, a Tunnock's tea cake, uh, Rocky Road. I made that. Um, but yeah, they were good. That's, that's just a, coming on to your point there. It's easy. People are making all these businesses that never thought were going to be that. Uh, straight up Yorkshire. They're chuffing wet. That, people have never seen that. I'll not get that. They're chuffing wet. Straight up Yorkshire. But, just just get on Facebook and have looked at it. People are just making money and having one hell of a laugh. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it like is. That barrier, is it, you can step over it. It's not even a hurdle. Exactly. And it, it, it really isn't. And and you can, you can honestly, I believe you can do what you want. Now, I'm going to caveat that though, because it's still really hard. And the, the, my, in my mind, the problem is this. People have sold the dream. People are sold the dream. What I mean by that is they're sold, quit your job, do what you want. Like it's not a light switch. It's like lighting a fire with two twigs. It takes a long time. It's a lot of hard work. And to start with, you're not going to see that much back from it. So you've got, you know, as much as we're saying this, people do have to be realistic realistic about it. For me, it's recognizing what change you need to make and plotting a path that 
is not so strict that it can't be deviated from, but just includes the right stepping stones that you need to make. Like, if you're driving down to Shoreditch, the one thing that you can be damn sure that you need to do is switch your car on. That's it. Like, everything else can deviate. It doesn't matter whether you reverse there, you will get there. But the point is, turning your car on, boom, guaranteed. Two, you need fuel. That's a stepping stone. So... People approach this in the wrong way. People always look at things like, right, that's it. I'm going to quit. I'm going to do what I want to do. And then when, I, when, when when nothing happens instantly, or if I can't see a clear path to this happening instantly, then it's not for me. It's too risky. It's too much hard work. It's, I'm not the right type of person. It's for other people. It's for the people that are better than me. Load of shit. All it is, is that they've not plotted the right stepping stones that they need to take. Like, which bits am I guaranteed to need to stand on to be able to get across this river? Like... That rock there, or this kind of thing that looks kind of like an alligator that might bite my ass off. Like, oh, I'll stand on the rock, and that's just one guaranteed thing that I need to do to get there. So, as an example, if you need to quit, if you want to quit your job, you've recognised you you want to quit your job, and you know, let's use this really classic, really cliched, straight down the middle, quit your job, work for yourself kind of example. If you want to do that, the barrier to entry has never been lower. You can really create a product anytime you want. You can create a, um, a service. You can create a business. You know more than you think. You have got things that are saleable. I've got no doubt about that. But unless you address what you really need to do, then you're not going to do it. So step one, address your turning point. Right, I don't like doing this anymore. Step two, let's be realistic though. If I quit today, can I make my mortgage payment next month? No, right. So what do I need to do? Well, I'll tell you what. What about if I just do something, I'll add an extra two hours of my working life on a night, work an extra two hours a night on my own project, and I'm going to earn, within the first six months, my goal is to earn my mortgage payment. That's a stepping stone. That's it. That's your first stepping stone. I never said how you do that. I never said like what the specific things you will do, what you'll spend that two hours on. But that's your stepping stone. Everything else it's time number one. Yeah, and, but everything else, like even how you get to that is versatile. The first two hours of, of working on your own on the first Monday that you decide to do it, you might not even know what you want to sell. You might just write down everything that you've ever done and then write another list of things that you enjoy and see where they meet. Like, so you've, but the stepping stone, the decision that you've made is that you will make enough money to cover your mortgage from your side project. So it's not this light switch on off um and i think that's the biggest problem for people you know they they recognize that they need to- well, that's it's the media's fault i think because all we see is oh mark zuckerberg mark zuckerberg has made 100 billion oh uh, steve jobs has done all this the company's it's the most valuable company on planet and people like snapchat were getting bought out for god knows how many millions or billions they only see the end of the success like like you alluded to earlier richard branson you didn't see him when he were when he was 20 doing what he was doing he he had to remortgage his mum and dad's house to, to get to progress the business. Laughing now, but you only you didn't know about that at the time. Yeah. You you just see the success, so you don't see the grit. No, you don't. You don't. And like Alan Sugar, great example. Like everyone, anyone that you can think of in of that of that ilk is is a really yeah. Great I mean, they are, they're just people, same as you, me. Anybody, they are people. Yeah, they are. They really are. And they've they've gone through the shit. The thing is, they embrace their turning points. They say they come they come to a point and they realise that it's time to turn. And they take the wheel, they turn it, and they they stick the foot down, and off they go in that direction. But 
it's this is this is the big thing. Like I, I agree with you. We've been sold this myth of well, you know, it's we just quit your job. I'm making two hundred and forty grand a day doing this, and yeah, you are now. Like you say, you are now. But what were the stepping stones that you took? If you like, if I look back now, I can think of several turning points, and I can think of several several stepping stones that got us to where we are now. So turning point one, hot dog moment. Turning point two, left school realize that actually this kind of college game is not for me step three get a job that's a turning point because i'd I'd made the decision that i wanted to earn the money step four realized actually money is not what it's about step five realize that like the 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 next turning point is that you can't act as a quote-unquote professional and expect people to actually like you you know, you've got to act like yourself. So these are all little tiny turning points that just keep you on the bearing that you want to be on. Um, and if you don't embrace them, if you don't accept them, you end up on a bearing that other people think you should be on, which is terrible. I mean, you've been through this. You know, you've been 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 through the whole uni scene and, you know, your trajectory has been completely different to what you expected. And it's because you've embraced the turns, you've embraced the changes. I mean, yeah, it was, I'll be honest, my my turn to uni was because there's no point in me getting a job because I don't know what I want to do. I can study this and get a wide variety of experience doing different things. That surely will open the door. And it led to me starting the business, which has done its job in theory. That's a prime example of a stepping stone as well. So you are between turning points then. Turning point one, decision to go to college or not. Um, Sorry, leave school and go to college and pursue that one. The uni bit that came after, you didn't quite know what you wanted to do. And a turning point wasn't yet to come, which was when you came out of uh, uni and decided to set your own business up as opposed to work somewhere else like that's a turning point the stepping stone is well wait a sec if i just go and study this this is an enabler not only is it going to open up people to me but it's going to open up skills to me that i've not got now and i don't know where that's going to take me but all i will see is that this is a stepping stone in the right direction there's always um there was a periscope that i did ages and ages and ages ago on on an old sort of small business lunch concept that i used to run on fridays which was how to make decisions easier in life and just make, you know, like the one question you need to ask. And, you know, if your big picture is... We should try and dig that out for this because how to make decisions easier is kind of the the whole idea or one of the ideas for uh, for this podcast. It's people giving experience to help make your decisions that much easier. Yeah, I, I'll try and find that. I think I might have done a blog post on it as well. I'll have a look at that one. Um, but basically, the one simple question you need to ask yourself is, everyone's got the big picture, and it's all right for that big picture to change. Like The, net, the 10-year goal can change. The 20-year goal can change. The 30-year goal can change. That That's fine. But as long as you keep moving forward towards whatever goal you have set at that time. So the only thing, whether it's in life or business, that you need to ask yourself is, if by saying yes to this, it gets me one step closer to being where I want to be, and there's a direct correlation, then I'll do it. And if even if there's the slightest doubt that it won't, then I'm not going to do it. So if that's a job... You know, I'm a big fan of this idea about taking bad money in life and business. You know, I've seen bad money run through our businesses insofar as um, I'm not talking like money laundering, maybe. But what I mean is where you take the wrong client or you take the wrong project or, you know, for startups, you take the wrong investor. Um, if, if, If the decision is, if I take this project, will it get me one step close to my long term goal? If that's a no... It doesn't matter whether they quadruple the price. Do not take that project. 
in life, if someone says, listen, do you want to go, I don't know, do you want to go work somewhere for a week or two weeks? Do you want to go and do X, Y, and Z? Do you want to take this opportunity? Do you want to do whatever? If it if it gets you, just ask yourself, does this get me one step closer to, to doing what I want to ultimately do? If it's a yeah, then you've got to do it. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it really is that simple. And it's, it's tough sometimes to be honest with yourself about that. Because um, if someone's dangling hundred grand in front of you for a project that's really worth twenty, you're going to be thinking, "Well, that's easy money," but you know nothing comes easy, and there's always a yeah, price. To there's pay. always baggage. Yeah, of course there is. Of course there is, and that baggage might not be imposed by, by the person giving you the money. It might be your own realization that three weeks into that, oh shit, actually, do you know what? There's a reason that I stopped doing this stuff. The money's just not worth it. You know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, sorry, we might, have, we might have gone off on a massive tangent there. That's all right. This is certainly the longest episode I've had. But I just want to, what I want to do is just on the top of that is I was saying that um, how your old, old Periscope was kind of related to this. You're a big chunk of what you're doing now over on excellence-expected.com uh, is kind of post-decision, isn't it? It's kind of post this an active turning point in for small business, which is for people, if you don't know, you need to be going and have a look. You'll see all the, you'll see the links, um, in the, the guest, uh, links, uh, on the, on the page, but it's, it's a content soup hub for early stage business, uh, as well as developing your own skills. And it's actually time that we're recording this. And when this episode will be going out, is that Mark's got this super intense eight, eight episode series of, product idea to launch so you, sh- you really should be looking out for that and it's like I say it is timely that this this will be going out around the time that you're going to be launching that which is something that people definitely need to hit, hit up because you're going to be giving them just all sorts aren't you yeah it's a good one and obviously you're involved in that as well so it's a no it's a nice little um sort of cross promotion there yeah it's it's just this idea that you know, like everything excellence expected has evolved into straight talking. So everything is just straight talking stuff. So yeah, the next season of the podcast is straight talking guide to launching your first product. There's eight sessions featuring you, Adam Farrer, Chris Ducker, Ash Moore, Aylett Knopf, Theo Priestley, um, you know, some real big players in, in, in the entrepreneurial and startup scene. And it's basically a straight talking guide to just doing what you want to do, taking your, taking your idea and actually getting it out into the public because it's not that hard. You just need some really straight talking action. You need to be just told, look, try this and here's what you should look out for and here's what to avoid and you know, so on and so forth. So that's what it does. Um, and we've built a massive toolkit as well for that. There are, so each session, each of the eight sessions has got a, uh, has got a, an associated tool or resource that comes with it. So there's a, there's a complete toolkit to step you through that as well. So no, it's a fun one. It is, it's a good one. And that that's catalyzed by the idea that, um, you know, I, I did the podcast, the original version for, for 150 episodes and hit another turning point. It was, well, wait a second, I'm not enjoying this as much. I can probably do something a bit better for the listeners and a bit better for the audience. Um, and I, you know, I could have kept doing the same old podcast, um, but to me, it was time to shift. You know, I wasn't doing what the the very best for my listeners, so I owed them a little bit more than that. So yeah, check it out. It's an interesting one. Go to uh, excellence-expected.com/slash/audio and just uh, have a gander at that. So what? And if if I could, ju- if you would say sort of three. No, I'll rephrase that. What do you think has been your biggest hurdle, flat out? Oh, biggest hurdle from thinking like, well, as young as you can remember to this second. 
Um, yeah, it's a good one. So there's a few of those ones. I think that the, the first one is I'm a really impatient person. You know what I'm like? I'm like really direct to the point. You either like me or think I'm a total dick. Like that's like I'm that kind of person. And that's been a real challenge for me because a lot of people like, like it's taken, like we've known each other for years now and I'm still like, I, I'm, I can still come across a dick even to you. And it's just, that's a big challenge. I think when you've got, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs and people in business are like that because they just know exactly what they want and when they want it and how to get it sort of thing. So that's a real challenge. That That's a genuine challenge that I don't really talk about much, but there's that. And also, like you said earlier, we come from Barnsley and I love Barnsley, but Jesus, it, it's like swimming through mud uphill on the moon. Like it's it's imp- it's virtually impossible to... to... Like on the moon and make it easier, there's less gravity. Have you tried swimming on moon? Because I have. I can tell you that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, we were going to go to Iceland and there were a deal for the moon and we just went to the moon instead. You know, last minute deal. Um, so it's just, Barnes is a place, is one of those places that's having a transformation. You know, it's an old mining town, got decimated by the conservatives. Um, you know, we've had to try and reinvent it a little bit, but everyone's everyone's so down on it, on themselves. And so, so... Like if they see you doing well, they either want to put you down or tell everyone that you're lucky. That's it. Going back to your gunner's remark earlier. Uh, Sorry, no, different. uh, Sorry, forget that. Don't matter. No, 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 you're right. Because no, you're right. Everyone is a gunner. I I was actually referring to gunner as in a different kind of gunner, as in a gunner with a machine gun to like to shoot you down and bring you down. But that was a different, that was a going to that you were referring to earlier. Boom, 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 boom. No, the, um, yeah, everyone is a, no, actually, I actually quite like that idea. Everyone is they're either going to try and shoot you down, and I like that. They're either going to try and pull you down and shoot you down, or, like I said, they're going to tell everyone else that you're lucky, and then they'll find something else to slate you for. You know, they'll find something else to slate. And sadly, that's the way of the world, and it's the way of, you know, particularly a old northern English town that I actually do love to bits, and the people and the new... When it's when the town's done, it will beat cities. Yeah. With all the massive redevelopment. But the problem is the people, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and they said, yeah, well, we're trying to change, we're changing that, aren't we? And that was just off the cuff. It was like, you know what? Yeah, we are. People are, of our generation are. I bet that was Adam. Kyle. Were it killer? Yeah. Killer. Um, yeah, exactly. We are doing, you know, Adam and I went down and, and, and we do a bit of work in, in the tech town startup scene uh, in Barnsley. And like, to see working behind the scenes is really interesting because honestly man people are trying to pull it down as much as you're trying to pull it up and gee you know it's a challenge you know it just it's so tough so they're the two biggest challenges you know coming across as a complete tool to people just because you know that's just the way i am and i don't necessarily dress things up too much um and then the second thing is is just location and attitude of of the general populace of that location was always a challenge especially when you're younger um you know you are you are encouraged to stay where you are and you're encouraged to not think too big you know you're you're basically luke skywalker that wants to go off and be a rebel pilot but you've got your auntie and uncle saying why don't you just stay on this moisture farm what about what about this condensation a little bit more of this we're going to see star wars soon so that's why the star wars reference comes in yeah it is I mean, and what about the everyday stuff? You know, the thing, oh, well, I, well I've, I've got to do this. Do you know, like the things you weren't expecting? What did you have to learn and to for that? What do you think, what pops into your mind? I think, wow, yeah, I didn't think about that. And I don't mean bookkeeping. <laughs> Double entry bookkeeping. Do you know about that? So uh, you've got to, you've got to look at basically life as you never really know anything. 
And I think if you've got that attitude, you'll always embrace learning. Um, you've got to want to have this willingness to learn. So some of the things that really challenged me were just like actions have got consequences. And more importantly, a lack of action has got consequences. So if you just sit there and expect things to happen because, well, other people are doing it and sure, this is all I need to do, that that's that, that's nothing's going to happen. You'll get no results, whatever it is, life, business, whatever. You, like you'll just not get any results. Like you ha- And it sounds really fundamental. Like, of course, why are you saying this? But believe me, so many people just simply do not do. <laughs> they just do not do. They believe they are doing. And for me... There was, and I talk about this in um, on Excellence Expected, there's a 14-day guide to cutting your working hours. There's, you have to learn, and I had to learn really quickly what's important, what is interesting, and what's integral to life and to business. So, like, early on, you want to do the cool stuff, but then not all the cool stuff pays the bills. So you've got to figure out what's important, what's integral, like the stuff that you cannot possibly not do. You know, like, if I don't invoice... There is physically no way that I can get paid. So like, I've got to do that shit, even though it's boring. And then the important stuff and the interesting stuff. So I, that was one of the biggest things for me early on was to try and learn that th- that was a concept that I needed to address and actually what those things were. That's a massive challenge, I think. Yeah. And a, a big important one, is it all worth it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love it. I, like every single day, it's, it's, it's hard. Don't get me wrong. And it has a lot of... Um, a lot of consequences if you're not careful, but ultimately, yeah. I mean, if you, it's a funny thing. You 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 kind of embrace that you're a t- the type of person that you are. The minute that you start embracing that you are that kind of person, the more you enjoy it. And yeah, it's it's always always worth it. But don't be under any illusion that it's not really frigging hard. Yeah, because like we like we mentioned earlier, you just see the you see the success stories, but you don't see the grit and everything takes grit and determination to get to it what it needs to be. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And people only see the pictures. You know, we you've you know you've had Brad on the show and he talks a lot about assets. You know, he talks and, and swear words. Says a lot of swear words more than me. I swear a lot. And you know, he always talks about assets and this idea that you know. I, so I did. I spoke at the business networking show, and then the business show this year, both this year, both free. Didn't get paid for them. And the same people that say, well, it's easy and that they're doing it are the same people that would say, well, why the hell would you go and do that for free? And they don't yeah. see how it all links together. Well, you turn up at that and you get a picture of you in front of 200 people talking. And then the people that would always say, why would you do that for free? And then the people looking at that picture going, chuffing hell, he's doing well. Yeah. You know, that's so, like, it's this, it's just, you've got to have this abundant attitude, this attitude of, of, willingness and of, of just saying yes to the right things based on that decision-making idea we mentioned earlier. But if you say yes to them, like completely commit to them and yeah, it's going to be tough. You know, we struggle, we working in the studio, you know, you, me, Kai, uh, we've seen Brad at the same state. We've seen Adam in the same state, like, you know, really worn down and low, but at the same time, it doesn't matter because you know that you you know that you're doing it for the right reasons and that doing something that's hard for the right reasons is always better than doing something easy for the wrong reasons couldn't agree more and um we've we've spent mentioned quite a few times about the excellence expected site um and if if people are sort of if this this episode or the podcast in general does sort of teach you teach you into the uh the 
starting your own business or creating your own product or anything where you become self-reliant, Excellence Expected is is the place to be because that's that's the next stage of your uh, content digestion. Um, but I'm sure Mark can tell us about a lot of other different links where you can catch up to him. Oh, thank you, sir. It's very kind of you to say so. Yeah, I'm at excellence-expected.com is is the place that I put everything. And on there, you're going to see all the content, but there'll be links to Hacksaw on there, which is um, which is the studio that Dan and I run with Kai and Mark. And uh, you know we're very proud of that one. So that hacksawstudio.com, you can get us on that one. Um, really just get it like just 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 get me on social media i'm a twitterer so just get me on at mr asquith on twitter or instagram uh, any of those two they're, they're the best one if you want some engagement and if you've got any questions just just give me a shout i always answer people mark as always thank you very much for giving up your time this evening that's an awesome awesome chat and there's certainly a lot I, i've got absolutely no doubt that people will be able to have, take a hell of a lot away from that cheers buddy you're doing great work it's good to see this flourishing so well done man thank you very much and that's it for this episode of The Turning Point. As ever, I've been your host, Daniel Moore, and today our guest has been a very good friend of mine, a brother from another mother, as people say, Mr. Mark Asquith. Uh, and remember, together we can make one of life's biggest hurdles that much easier to overcome.